Hey everybody, welcome to Note Up number 55. Note Up! What up? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Michael Rogers, back to host while D-Shaw, you know, has families and things. And uh, we've got Max Ogden on the line, and Jessica Lord, and Rod Vag, And we're going to talk all about Node School. What up? Okay, we've got some awesome sponsors today, uh, Modulus, Clock, and And Yet. We'll um, talk a little bit more about them pretty soon. Um, but yeah, so what's, what is NodeUp? Tell me what NodeUp is, Max. NodeSchool. NodeSchool, you mean? NodeSchool, yeah, sorry. Yeah. NodeUp is a popular hey. Node.js podcast. Um, NodeSchool is basically an open source school for Node that happens, you can do it online by your lonesome, but you can also take part in some events that are starting to get organized around the world. And... Kicking it off, one of the big goals is for people to host events, um, like start new events, kind of like doing a Node meetup. Um, the format is different with Node School because it's about learning and everybody does something and there's not as much people sitting, eating pizza and watching one person talk. It's more of a collaborative thing where it's kind of a classroom environment where people can go through the Node School curriculum, which is all software-based. Um, it's this open source software that Substack originally wrote. And then Rod, who we have here, has um, helped maintain and improve. And now we have a framework for running these workshops that are kind of self-guided. You can do them alone, like I said, but they work really well when you have an educational environment set up. And so one of the big goals we have is to get people to start doing more of these events around the world, um, just like how they do Node meetups, but trying to you know, spin, do a little bit of a spin on the traditional meetup format and make it so we can actually grow the Node community and teach people some fundamental skills. So I think Max just touched on everything. Uh, pretty sure that we can just stop the podcast now, turn it <laughs> off, all get done. <laughs> no. Well, uh, let me let me talk real quick about uh, one of our sponsors, uh, and then we can move on to some of the history and stuff like that. Uh, Modulus. Uh, they are a hosting company. They do reliable Node.js hosting because we need Node.js hosting peoples. Uh, they also do integrated MongoDB hosting, which is good because, you know, you probably want your database like next to your node processes. And uh, they have really awesome built-in analytics for your application so you know exactly what's going on and how it's performing. They do free custom SSL, WebSockets, uh, and they support almost every version of Node.js. I hope they don't support like 04 because stop running that. Um, <laughs> you can use promo code NODEUP1, all caps, at uh, modulus.io to get started today uh, for free, actually. So yeah, visit modulus.io and uh, you can also follow them on Twitter at onmodulus. Um, and modulus is spelled M-O-D-U-L-U-S. That's how you spell modulus. In case what if I wanted to run Node on my WebOS phone? Well, um, I, I don't know if they do that. I don't know uh, enough about this company to know if they're a WebOS hosting company. But then I, I need to run like 0.2, right? Uh, isn't, wasn't hot. it like a fork of O2? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that project got dropped like a Tim Caswell project. Oh. Um, boom. Oh, Wait, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was just a, a giant <laughs> HP slash, like a yeah, Palm Tim Caswell project. No, it wasn't. Um, Go talk, but, Tim. We love you. Yeah, we love Tim. He's, it's just, yeah, he's just a funny guy. Anyway, okay, so let's start with the, the how Node School came to be. So um, at NodeConf, I asked everybody to run these like in-person workshops, and Substack uh, decided to stop talking 
about how to create learning materials or what learning materials that would happen and was just like, I'm writing a module because I am some stack. And so he wrote this module called Stream Adventure that um, him and you, Max, used in, in your talk um, or your workshop, sorry, at NodeConf. Um, and then Rod, uh, you, which, you picked it up to, to create one of these. Which one was it? Uh, so I, t I did learn you Node. Um, so right, I, right. I, was at, I was at NodeConf and that workshop by Max and Substack was just was probably one of the best workshops I've been to for learning, you know, software stuff. Oh. And I was and I was preparing to do uh, a workshop for CampJS, um, you know, soon afterwards. And I know I knew I wanted to do something interactive um, and hands on. And then I I had did, we did this workshop at um, NodeConf, and it was like I've got to do this. So I quickly set about making uh, Learn You Node. Um, which oh yeah, because Stream I, Adventure was just about streams. Yeah, so Stream Adventure. It. Yeah, was um, yeah. I mean, Stream Adventure was perfect for the audience at NodeConf. You know, people that knew enough about Node to really dig into streams pretty deeply. And Stream Adventure goes into uh, a good depth in streams, but it doesn't start off at a, a point where you know new people to no to Node can really be comfortable. So. I wanted to, my, my my idea was that uh, previous camp js i i noticed that there's just a, a lot of people that went um that um knew javascript because they do it on the front end um but had not even tried node and so i thought okay well i'm going to take a step all the way back to the beginning and teach people how to do node from the beginning and so i did learn you node and i had a bit of help from uh, a couple of people that helped out with uh, camp js so tim oxley for example um, and a couple of other people as well who contributed to Learn You Node, and we ran that at uh, CampJS to to um, much success. Uh, we had about, I think it was probably nearly eighty people in the room, and we had about ten mentors um, roaming around helping people, and uh, that went really well. And um, we decided that you know, CampJS workshops need to be like that in the future. So we're going to sort of try and make them interactive, like that, you know, that sort of format in future. Mm, and Jessica, you were at the first um, the stream adventure at NodeConf as a uh, what is it attendee? I guess you weren't running it, but you were. Uh, can you explain the experience of that first one and um, how it was to go through it as somebody who had never seen it before? Yeah, no, it was it was a really great way to teach a room full of people something in an interactive way instead of a watch someone talk kind of way and even though it's pretty self-guided and you could sit in a room with people and silently do it yourselves what's nice is it and the moderators or people running the workshop encourage people to you know look over the shoulder of the person next to you ask them a question teach the person next to you something or raise your hand when you get hung up on something and as soon as you pass a workshop to throw up your hands you know and so it kind of kept the mood really light and I think everyone really had fun doing the lessons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, so Rod, you broke it out into workshop or like the abstract module um, so that all these things, because Substack Stream Adventure was like all just sort of one module altogether. Um, and then you wrote the level up one for NodeConf EU, right? Yes, so NodeConf EU came around and uh, I needed to do some, we decided that well, actually, I think it was like Paolo that decided that there was going to be a level DB workshop, and we had like a month to get ready for this. 
and no one had any solid ideas. So I said, well, let's just make a, a level DB workshopper. So I made level me up for NodeCon VU. And there were some good contributions from the various level people for that. And um, we ran one of the, there was three workshops at uh, NodeCon VU and uh, we were one of them. Um, and we just had a, a room in a castle. Like it was like a, it was a bar room, wasn't it? Like there was a bar in the corner and these, you know, classy old lounges and stuff in this cool room in a castle. No running a level <laughs> Running a level DB workshop. Um, and, and that sort of, that, that again started from the very basics of, of how to do level in Node and goes up all the way into doing some pretty advanced um, searching and streaming. Um, so that, yeah. And um, the next one was functional JavaScript. That was by, that's by Tim Oxley. And, and I was talking to him the other day and he, he captured one of the reasons why, doing, why authoring these things is so good. He runs a, uh, a JavaScript user group in Singapore. And he's got like uh, 10 or maybe a bit more um, fairly, um, you know, entry-level JavaScript people there. And he's been doing, going through books, like doing, it's like a book club for JavaScript stuff. And he puts so much effort into these things, um, into these, these book reviews and talking to this group about JavaScript. And then at the end, he's got nothing to show for it except for having done the experience. So uh, he decided to do a workshop, one of these workshoppers, um, Functional JavaScript, because he didn't want to put in so much effort and then not have anything at the end. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I really enjoy doing this is because you, you end up doing tons of work for, for any, any workshop that you put on. And then once it's done, it's done. You might have some materials left over, but it's, you know, it's not as useful as actually having something that people can take and you know, literally just start using straight away. So um, you can invest just as much effort into making one of these workshops and then it's reusable by anyone, anywhere. So, you know, I, I really think we'll see a lot more of these um, pop up because just for that reason. If you're going to put in effort to make to run a workshop, do it in a way that can be reused again and again with ease. Yeah, and if anybody well, then, listening hasn't seen the actual workshop, um, go to nodeschool.io and play around with it just to get an example of what we're talking about. But the basic idea is that the workshop presents you with challenges and then you have to write a program that writes to standard out or does console.log statements that uh, logs the correct strings out. And then the program, the workshop program can verify that you had the correct program implemented. So you can implement the program a million different ways as long as it outputs the right strings. And sometimes you even read from standard in or you'll read a file name that you have to read from the file system on standard in and the standard in it gives you the path of the file or it just streams you data. So um, it's a pretty wide scope of things that you can do, and you're just verifying strings on in and out. But um, so we've been able to do it for databases and streams and basic node stuff, and then just pure JavaScript stuff so far. So we've talked a lot about the the new, you know, writing new workshoppers and you know, so sort of whole new concepts um, as a workshopper. And there are four now, um, right? There's there's learn new node, stream adventure, functional JavaScript, and the level me up one. But um, how, so for each of these, how have they, they evolved, like, as an open source project after being initially released, right? Like, because people add levels and things like that, and they get tuned and tweaked. What's the contribution, uh, what do the contributions look like right now? So, I, I think Stream Adventure and Learn New Node um, and Level Me Up, actually, have been fairly stable since they were released. Uh, there's one, there's like a pull request that's still open on Level Me Up that uh, Matteo 
um, has put in um, to put in a new exercise for something completely different. That hasn't been cleaned up and merged yet. But most of the contributions that I've had, at least, have been from people who have done the workshops and have found issues with documentation or just minor issues with code, um, and then they submit pull requests. So I've had... I've had heaps of these tiny pull requests from all these people I've never heard of before that have just got into Node um, and are submitting pull requests to fix just minor little wording and, you know, they've come across particular bugs on particular platforms. Um, but as as far as expanding the content, um, since they were presented, um, I don't think any of the main ones have um, actually been expanded too much. But that's not to say that, that we're not open to that. I, I hope people don't get the impression that we're not open to expanding the, the, the material. If people think that there's a gap or that they could go further, um, you know, I think um, all of us are, are open to um, contributions from people that want to suggest or just give new material to these things. Yeah, there's been definitely some crazy terminal bugs on Windows and various oh, man. weird terminals people use. And, you know, on the other day... There's this thing on Windows called JScript that's not JavaScript, but if you double-click a .js file, or actually I think if you just run it in the shell, it tries to interpret it with this thing called JScript, and so we got this crazy error. And so there's been a lot of those kind of you know traditional open-source cross-platform cross -platform bug fixes, but the good news is that um, I think we've found all of them pretty much at this point. Those kinds of bugs are great, though, because it means that, that they're reaching, like, this really long tail of, of newbies that, you know, are actually kind of hard to, to read sometimes. Um, People always so blame I, themselves. It's crazy. People I know. Like, I know, I know. It must be because I'm a noob that this doesn't work. And it's like, no, it's just a bug, and it's glad, I'm glad you reported it. It's not your fault. So, like, in that thread, so at what point did the Node School website go up? Um, and uh, when that went up... Also, uh, a couple GitHub projects went up that were just for sort of helping people. Um, can you tell me a little bit about those and how that started? Yeah, when we were at NodeConf EU uh, a few months ago, uh, Brian Brennan, who's going to be on this call, but the internet is his parents' house sucks. We're all home for Thanksgiving right now. Um, so he could not join us, wherever, whatever rural location he's in. Um, he works at Mozilla on the Mozilla Foundation and does the Mozilla Badges project, which uses Node. And him and the Mozilla Badges team were there, and they saw the Level Me Up workshop and loved it. We were kind of talking about how we're going to take this further, and I came up with the name Node School, and then Brian's like, NodeSchool.io, but he accidentally, it was really late, and he bought the wrong domain, and it's like $99 for a Node School, or for a .io domain, so he bought the wrong one, and then the next day realized, oh, I bought, I think he bought Node Level or something, I don't remember, but then he's like, oh, I meant to buy Node School, so then he bought Node School also, and then Substack did, um, Substack did an awesome design, designed the school facade and the, the front end. And um, I like it because it's totally, the color scheme's awesome. And then um, we just put the first three modules up there. And that's when it kind of started, because at first it was just like, oh, this is fun to do at conferences, like a little workshop. And then it was kind of like, oh, now we can do it for like intro to Node as like, at different meetups. And then at that point, right around NodeConfU, I think it started, we started realizing that it's like an even broader concept and it can start taking over the meetups and kind of adding a new dimension to them. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a whole GitHub organization now for it as well. And there's a uh, discussions repo. And so I'm finding that um, the majority of any issues or questions that people have with any of my workshops uh, go onto the discussions issues list and 
we've pointed a whole lot of people there. Like we've, I think we've announced it a few times. If anyone's, you know, anyone wants to mentor people online, then they can go and subscribe to that repo and help out people. Um, and yeah, so there's just, just a whole lot of people that contribute. Yeah, there's a whole lot of people contribute now. And anyone listening here who wants to contribute should just watch that and, and help out um, because there's people that, you know, stumbling across the normal issues of, you know, how do I do this async thing and all that sort of stuff. And um, that's where the a lot of the discussion happens. Even people report bugs there. And so this, this sort of merging of these different repos um, sharing each other's issues list. Yeah, it's actually a great place just to ask questions about how Node works or how to do something. And um, and if you are somebody who knows how Node works, you should really subscribe there. Like, I haven't run through many of the actual Node School challenges at all, but I'm on there and I and I end up helping people out because they're just regular Node questions that I can answer. So, cool. Okay, well let's let's uh, move along a little bit uh, to our next sponsor. I'm going to talk about Clock. Oh man, I love I love being back on Node Up. It's been so long since I've talked about Clock and their awesome bowler hats and stuff. So, uh, Clock uh, are a digital development agency uh, in the outskirts of London. They make beautiful websites and web-based applications. They are pretty good at integrating with legacy systems and devices and all of that kind of old stuff that you you know you can't get rid of, but you you know also. Uh, you, you know, you can't ignore it, but you want to do something new. Uh, they're experts in publishing, uh, customer insight, and customer loyalty. They have uh, developed some hardware devices for retailers to put in stores as well that are 100% Node.js. So they're also doing Node robot stuff, so that's rad. Um, yeah, they had a hat that was powered by a Raspberry Pi that was a bowler hat. <laughs> That was awesome. like a live stream webcam that was like mm -hmm. on one of the English style bowler hats with a battery pack and everything. It was really cool. Mm. Yeah, they're they're awesome. They've been around since like '97, and their their front end developers are even doing Node stuff with like Jaden Stylus, Stylus, and their back end on Node stuff. So they've got some pretty high profile clients like the BBC, News Corp, Nielsen, Joint, Eddie Izzard, Shortlist, Hearst Media, just to name a few. Um, and they've just built out a new publishing platform called uh, Catfish, which is 100% uh, Node.js as well. So you guys want to hear a fun story for lunch yeah. today? I'm down here in Middle Georgia. South of Macon, I actually eat three fried catfish on the bone for lunch. That's crazy. <laughs> it was awesome. Super relevant. <laughs> well, that's the name of their web platform. I know, I know, I know. It's all catfish. I'm just saying, I approve of catfish. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, they've they've launched some big stuff this year, like NeverUnderdress.com, um, Sun Plus uh, for the Sun newspaper, and Sunday World, Ireland's uh, biggest tabloid newspaper, actually. Um, so they're always on the lookout for good new developers and cool new projects to check out. So you can find them at clock.co.uk and email them at hello at clock.co.uk, and um, and you can follow them on Twitter at clock. Um, and just on and like they're really, they're really nice people too. So yeah, yeah, no, they're really great. In fact, um, when I went to do Jazz Fest uh, this year, like, and I was putting it together, Jazz Fest was like the perfect name because it was going to be this whole festival. And then I went to look and get the domain, and somebody already had it. And then when I looked at who had it, actually, Clock had it. Um, and so I pinged them and was like, "Hey, you know, what are you doing with this?" And they were like, "Oh, we were going to do something, but it didn't really come together." And da da da. And um, they actually, you know, gave it over to me just because they're really nice people and wanted. Ooh. To see a jazz fest happen, so yeah, yeah, they're they're fucking awesome, good good people. So check them out, clock.co.uk. Okay, let's move on to the uh, Node School in real life. Um, so it's it's sort of interesting. These these all started out as a workshop for doing things in person, but they've kind of like created this new life just on 
the web and just people downloading them on their own and playing with them and asking questions on discussions. Um, and then we kind of brought it back around and now we're just doing events that are only about these node school things. <laughs> right? Yeah, and also the audience differs because all of the previous ones were at existing meetups or at existing conferences. So you yeah. kind of assume people had heard of Node, they might have it, definitely have it installed, they're programmers, you know, you can make assumptions about all of those things. But with these ones, um, the audience is a lot wider, it's totally free to the public. Um, so for instance, the, we did one in London, Jessica and I were there for a couple conferences last month, and we organized one there. And actually, Jessica, if you want to describe um, how we kind of organized the London one and the lead up to it and kind of what the event was like. Um, yeah, the London one, um, I think sort of or got organized on the fly. Like we were in London and we were like, it would be really cool to do it here. And then, um, we were at Shoreditch Works, which is this really cool space in Shoreditch, Hoxton Yeah, it's area. like the startup area of London. Um, and the guy was just like, we would totally love to have you guys have it here. And so it was like within a minute we had the need or like we wanted to host one and then we had a place to host it. And so um, from there it was pretty easy and Max reached out to some people and got some sponsors for kind of giving some money for the space and getting some um, Christmas crackers and orange juice <laughs> <laughs> um, for snacks. Um, but so I really, I think people only had like a week and a half notice, maybe max like two weeks. Um, but we had almost 80 people turn up and the space was a really great, just open rectangular room. And they had tables that were sort of plywood with, um, I call them sawhorses. They might, yeah, people yeah. might have other names for them, but sort of small metal sawhorses. So we were able to just set up and take down space really quickly and had tons of chairs and, um, people filed in and we gave people about half an hour to sit down, s set up their computer and get ready to go. And then just solidly worked for about an hour and then all went and hung out afterwards. But then during the whole working, um, I think it went well, Max might remember better the ratio of how many mentors we had to people there working, but it was about 10%. Okay. Yeah, and so people were able to float around and answer questions and sort of touching back on talking about the variety of people you get when you do it just as a note school workshop. What was really awesome during the London one was someone came in who had never coded anything before ever, which I just thought was remarkable that they then decided to go to an event. And so um, I ended up sitting and working with them most of the time, but they did so awesome and it was so fun to have an event that someone could go to knowing no one else there and knowing no coding whatsoever and to have them leave having really built stuff and with an idea of what JavaScript is and what node on the server is. The end. <laughs> I think the, the, the San Francisco one was going to be the first node school, the inaugural one. And there was like two or three months planning that went into that. And then all of a sudden, Max and Jessica pop up and say, hey, we're going to run one just before this in London. And that became the inaugural. Notes. Oh, yeah. And so, I organized the SF one, too. I had both of yeah, the, yeah. Both of the yeah, tickets like, were done through Tito. And Tito is um, Paul Campbell. He runs conferences, too, uh, from Ireland. His startup, which is doing that's an awesome ticketing thing for RSVPs. And I had both of them open at the same time, and I would just get 
my inbox was full from reservations for both of them. And basically, um, each of them, I think the, we ended up having about 100 RSVPs or maybe 110 with mentors um, for London and 140, we had a little bit more room in San Francisco. And we only had to get um, external sponsors for London because the event space was getting donated to us, but they usually charge quite a bit for the space since it's a really nice space. And so I figured if we could get some local node companies um, to cover sponsorship, then it would we wouldn't be able to pay the full price to the event space, but we could at least help them cover the cost of staying open late and all that. So that worked out really nice. And um, the sponsors there were a company called Street Hub. They're based in Shoreditch and another one called Cano. And they make Raspberry Pi kits um, for making Raspberry Pi easier to use. And they actually just got, I think, I want to say about a million dollars on Kickstarter yeah. since then. <laughs> so when we hit them up, which was only three weeks ago, um, they were like, oh, we can probably cover it. Our budget's pretty tight right now. And then they just made a ton on their Kickstarter. It went absolutely nuts, way over what they thought they were going to get. I think they were asking for a hundred grand and they got, when I looked, it was like seven or 800 grand, totally crazy. But, um, so now it's like, I'm glad that they were able to sponsor, but they definitely would now again. Um, and then also hoodie, the hoodie project from, uh, Jan Lenhart and, um, his crew in Berlin threw in some money to help cover the space. Um, but in San Francisco, we did it as soon as we got back. So we, the last night we were in London, we did the London one. Then we flew back, and then a few days later, we did the San Francisco one. And it was originally going to be at GitHub's office, which they have a brand new office. But they kicked us out for an, it was a scheduling issue. They did. They told us we couldn't use it. Um, and so we had to move everybody over to Heroku. And Zeke at Heroku, he's the main node guy at Heroku now. He works on the Heroku build pack. He hooked, I met him at NodeConf. Um, and he basically was like, oh, we, Heroku also has a brand new office and we totally want to host an event. And it's the biggest event that they've hosted in their new office. So we got to stress test their Wi-Fi and it held up great. Um, but they have a really fun space too, where it's kind of half cafeteria and they got like sandwiches for us some like nice sandwiches, not just little run of the mill pizza, like one step up from that. And they got a couple kegs for people to chill at the end. And they had a really cool, um, amphitheater space that was all carpeted seating it was a little bit difficult because it was really full. There was about 100 people showed up to San Francisco. Um, London had less flakiness. Um, about 80% of people showed up. And in San Francisco, it was more like 70, I think. But, um, or like 60%. That's pretty normal but, for San Francisco, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like San Francisco, it's just a different culture, I guess. Um, not as walkable or whatever. So basically... Um, the Heroku one went really awesome as well, and it was the same format. We ran it the same amount of time, and we had a ton of people come out, um, a really diverse group in um, San Francisco of people that kind of were coders or coded other languages or weren't coders. You know, it was definitely the full range, um, and uh, it ended up being really fun. We basically just did a quick little presentation at the beginning that was like, here's what Node School is, here's how you get it installed. Um, logistically speaking, for people running events, one thing that is absolutely crucial that I did at the Stream Adventure and at the two events that I've helped do is you can't expect people to, 100 people in a room to all be able to NPM install Learn New Node because that's like 100 modules per person and it's just a ton of modules. And so, um, and also the one in London, that was the night NPM was going down and it's in the UK, so NPM's already slow. So basically what I do is I just zip up the folder and then all people have to do is unzip it and then run npm link inside and then it just installs it into their path and so then they don't have to hit npm and then I just run a I have a little HTTP server that I run 
um, locally and then put my IP, IP address up on a projector. So people just have to sit down, put in my IP when they get on the Wi-Fi, and then they can just um, they get a little HTML page that has instructions and links to download the different workshops. So that way, it's super fast, and um, I've had, have had very little problems with that. Um, you just have to make sure that the Wi-Fi you're using um, allows uh, different hosts to resolve each other on the same internal network or whatever. Um, but I, I don't think it would work well if you had a huge group like that doing all internet-based NPM installation. Um, but there's probably other ways to solve that problem. But that seems to work pretty well because all people have to know how to do is unzip things and then go into that folder in their command line. Um, and then uh, logistically, other than that, Heroku covered all the uh, the um, stuff for the meetup in San Francisco. We didn't need any external sponsors since that was awesome of them. They got all the sandwiches, all the space. They had an AV guy there just in case the projector or the Wi-Fi went down. It was super awesome. We had, in in um, Camp JS, like not only does Camp the, the venue that we host we hosted at, not only does it have terrible internet, like it's really like it's one of the slowest internet connections you can get in Australia. Um, but the Wi-Fi doesn't handle. You know, we get like a hundred or more people there. The Wi-Fi just dies when everyone tries to do something. So um, we had to we had like ten USB sticks that we just took around to everyone to install. So like it was fully offline mode basically. Oh, yeah, and one of the nice things about Node School is that since you install all the workshops on your command line, you can do them anywhere. So you can do them on a plane, you can do them on the bus or on public transportation, or you know, you don't have to have an internet connection. Like a lot of the Learn to Code sites, you have to be online and going through their um, web-based stuff, but this one's totally hacker-friendly, so it's offline and it's on the command line and forces you to learn actual skills, in my opinion. I think it's a nice thing. Yeah, that's kind of great because, you know, especially for in-person sort of workshops and stuff, usually you go and you go through the workshop and then when you leave, um, if you didn't finish or you didn't make it as far as the people, you can't really pick it back up. But with the Node ones, like, they're they're all there. You know, you can go home and keep doing it if you want. Um, so what, what are some things that we've learned about sort of, like, ideal sizes and, and stuff like that? I mean, I guess... I don't know, like, so for JS Fest, we're planning some more, um, but because we have sort of smaller spaces, um, I wanted to try, rather than doing a Node School event, it's just, each little workshop is about one of the Node School workshops, so it's about Learn New Node, or about Dream Adventure, or about, um, uh, I think, Functional, no, 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 we're doing the Level Me Up one. And so, um, and I, I really just want to see how it works with, like, only like 20 people and just focused on one of them for about the same amount of time as we've been doing them. But I mean, how, how do people feel about, you know, the like hundred people group size? Um, what's your experience been like? Um, for us at CampJS, I think the, um, I mean, people came prepared to do workshops and there was also, uh, a, a lot of people at Camp JS didn't do it. Like there was other things to do. So the people that were there were, you know, committed to getting into it. They knew that what they were in for, and they had the option to leave if they didn't want to do it. Um, and so, I think I think it was about eighty people, um, and it worked fine. But we had a lot of mentors wandering around just the whole time, looking over people's shoulders, asking them how they're going, and um, you know, it, it worked well. And the 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 um, NodeConf EU ones were interesting because the group sizes were smaller because we just couldn't physically fit that many people into the room. Um, and people came and went. So I was like sitting there for 
I think I was like there for six hours one of the days and, you know, nearly that much the next day, just waiting for people to come and go. And they came and went and they started at different places in the workshops um, at different times. So it was not coordinated at all. Um, and I hardly had to interact with people there. Like I, I was there and asking, you know, do you, need, do you guys need help? How are you going? And, but most of the, mostly people just sit there staring at their screens, trying to figure it out. Um, and you know, just with the occasional question. Um, but I think that those events were, that's where we had people that were either had some background in this stuff or a pretty solid background in JavaScript. So I, I haven't been to an old school IRL event yet. So you guys need to talk about how, how that goes down. Well, and, and to, to back up a little bit. So at EU, that wasn't all the node school stuff, right? That was just the level up one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally convinced, totally committed to, to level. There was no, there was no option to do anything else in that workshop. Yeah. I think that the sort of 80 person crowd we had in London was a good size where, I mean, you also want people to be able to meet other people who are learning, right? That's another benefit of doing this stuff in real life. But I think once you start hitting the 100 person threshold, it's a little bit harder to corral people, right? Because you've got you've to wait on all these people to show up and you want to make sure everyone's there before you start. And then if they're eating or drinking to begin with, then you need to corral them into one place to start. And then you need to corral them at the end to leave. And um, even though you could, I guess, theoretically scale it if you had the right amount of mentors for people, just in terms of doing like a single night event at somebody's office, I think it will be more efficient sort of at the lower, maybe 80%. Yeah, RSVP for like 100 ticket slots, and then you'll have about 80 people show up probably. That's probably a good level. Yeah, that's that's good math everywhere but San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco has Let's a do really events bad... in Oakland. I'm going to only do East Bay Night Schools probably. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's a good idea. But um, so what, like uh, you mentioned the, the mentor to, uh, to attendee ratio. What, what do you like that ratio to be? So I think that we need to do like 20% mentors at least. We've been doing about 10. And the reason being, when we have the public events, you get a lot more people that are at the end of the spectrum where they don't. I, I helped a guy install a text editor. I helped a guy, um, you know, save. He was editing on the JS Fiddle, or sorry, uh, the JS Hint website. He would type his code into the JS Hint box and then hint his code. But then he didn't know how to actually save that onto a file so that he could run it with the, the no school command, and which is totally understandable if you've never done command line stuff before. And which also, if I can add, this guy was probably seventy five and also came by himself and was totally rad. No, he was awesome. <laughs> he knew a, a ton of the concepts. He just wasn't up to date on the the specific tools. Um, so he was. I think he actually understood what he did learn, but he just didn't. You know, he didn't have the background of command line text editing. Um, like with modern IDs or whatever you want to call them. Um, so with that kind of level of experience range, you have to have more um, people for those kind of beginner groups. And then there's, you know, when we were doing like stream adventure, where it's all kind of intermediate to expert, usually the questions are pretty short. They're like, hey, why doesn't this new line show up on this last line? And you're like, oh, you just have to add an extra new line character when the stream ends or whatever, and then you're done, and you go on to the next person. But when you have to sit down with somebody for 15 minutes, half an hour, and really explain the concepts to them, then it's literally teaching for a long period of time, and you have to have more people to do that. So um, that's you know one of the big values in Node School for me is that you're actually you're not just 
hosting a, a meetup for the Node community, you're creating more of the Node community and expanding the community. And I think you do that through mentorship. But when you get into the more demanding teaching, I've heard from the mentors at the last couple of events that it's exhausting. Um, and mentoring is really hard. So it's, you know, we have to um, maybe stratify the mentors into maybe what we need. I haven't figured out the exact way to do this, but it's kind of like if you self-identify as a beginner and we figure out language to make it not scary to do that, then you can go here and it'll be more of a mini classroom where people walk you through doing the first few workshops. So you can have one mentor with like five people or 10 people maybe sitting at one area that's doing the absolute basics. Like here's how you open a file, save a file, run it, do the verify, do the run, you know, debug basic JavaScript stuff. And then for everybody else that's kind of like, oh, I know how to use a text editor and basic stuff, then maybe that's what the rest of the mentors do. And that way you don't have kind of, because mentors come in with different levels of ability and different levels of teaching ability also. And so I think if we had a better way to kind of um, organize a little bit better, but not add too much structure to it, that it can be really nice. But I haven't figured out all the answers to that yet, of course. I think there are, there are different levels of people that come to these things. It sounds like I, I haven't been to one where you've got people coming in who don't have programming experience yet. Um, but at least at the ones that I've been at, there's, um, there's a group of people who haven't even done Node before, and then there's people that have done Node. And so if you've got, if you've got people that haven't done Node before um, or haven't done programming before, then I think that you'll need more mentors just to do a lot of that yak shaving to get people started. Like we... We had a lot of issues uh, at CampJS with people who hadn't done Node before um, and were using systems that just weren't easy to get set up. And this mainly mainly includes Windows. Um, so people come along with these Windows laptops and say, okay, let's get, let's get set up and get going. How do I do this? And so you end up having to um, go through the whole process installing and then teaching them about how, you know, where you should work, um, how you should edit these things, um, why isn't NPM running, all these things that... Um, people who have done a little bit of Node at least have set up, um, but if it's completely intro to Node and like, like people haven't done it before, then you're going to have to go through that whole process. So you need more mentors to do one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, how does your computer work? Why isn't it? Why isn't the path resolving? All those sort of things. Um, so, but if you've got something like the um, Stream Adventure or Level Me Up, where we had it at Node Conf, Node conferences, you've got Node people there, and I think that's why they went so smoothly is because. People already had Node installed. They knew at least the basics of how do I get a Node program running. And so their computers were set up. They just got straight, straight into it. Yeah, I think one of the difficulties that we've been talking about um, in some of the discussion threads is how to get people to ask questions um, or like say that they're stuck. Like it's, it's a really hard kind of social thing to ask for help. Um, and... I don't know. I, I don't think that we've netted out on a best, a better way to do that yet. I think that we're really looking to maybe the community or people that have experience running these kinds of things. That maybe if they have any ideas, that'd be great. Um, yeah, I think one of the things we need to do is just have recurring events in the same place. Um, like we need a kind of when we do an event like the one in London, we did, and Jessica and I live in the Bay Area, and so then we came back. And actually, there's a London Node user group, and they just did an event before the London U Node user group last night, I think it was. Um, so they, instead of, you know, they said it was a lot of organizational work to figure out a new way to sustain just a Node school event every time, but they'd be happy to extend the London Node user group for an extra hour before everyone and do it there. So that way, when people come to the first one and they're too scared to ask questions, I, my hypothesis is that if you go to a second one, 
then you will feel a lot more comfortable because it's not a totally unknown environment. And that time, maybe you've thought about the thing you got stuck on last time or, you know, I think that helps a lot is having some sort of longevity in the events or like recurrence. Yeah, I think recurrence would be a really good thing. If we could, if we could find a, a way to sustain that, that'd be really rad. Yeah. And um, I, I think that, I mean, my experience at, at the one in San Francisco was that the, the kind of social time that happened after Node School was so much better than a regular meetup. <laughs> um, like the conversations that you have with people and people sort of meeting and talking with each other in the, the community building part, like it went just really, really smoothly. Um, especially compared to most San Francisco uh, meetups and, and even like node meetups and stuff. Yeah, I don't um, think we I mean, have I, any recruiters or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, it's just like, you know, there are new people that are sort of coming into the, the community and we had like a nice hodgepodge of people that are like, you know, they, they've, they've engaged a little bit or they're just starting out and then there are people that, you know, have been around forever um, but for the most part, you know, all of the people that are like, oh, you know, hey, that's that guy who writes all those modules. Nobody knew who they were and, and everybody was just having really good conversations and it was great. It was really great. Um, like, so I, I'd, I'd really like to see them, um, like having them recur would actually be really cool. And, I think and, if, you're, if you're out there listening and you are involved or you attend or you help organize any sort of tech meetup um, that's JavaScript related or if you want it to be JavaScript related, what you should do, the lowest barrier way to get started is just to announce that for the hour and a half before the next meetup or after the next meetup, whatever the timeline is, um, you're just going to do a uh, node school. And you can just do it. You can use the brand, just CC node underscore school on Twitter and we'll retweet it to everybody that follows that. Um, you know, like it's an open source. Nobody's in charge of it. Um, and it's pretty easy to run them and there's lots of documentation um, in the discussions repo on this too. Actually, so in, in my experience, I think that the, the best thing for you to do if you're trying to create a new one would be not would be to say, okay, this you know, this time our regular meetup, instead of doing the people stand up and talk, we're gonna do a node school. So oh, that rather than too, putting yeah. it before or after, just say like, Oh, you know what, this week we're gonna try something new, we're gonna do hands on workshops, we're not gonna have people lecture at you about like something that they wrote. Um, because then you sort of, you know, you get a, a bunch of people from the regular meetup that know to go there at that time and, and kind of come all the time and then they have a new experience and they didn't have to try to opt into the new experience by getting there earlier, staying late. Um, and then from there you can figure out if you want to sort of, you know, continue to do it as a separate meetup or whatever. Yeah. Like the Brooklyn people are doing it before the next one and I was talking to them about it and like Jed was saying that, um, they, they like the format that they figured out, which is like lightning talks and lots of socializing time, and they felt like they could fit it in before theirs. So, you know, it, your mileage may vary, but um, don't, you, know, you don't necessarily have to do it as a whole new event with new branding and a new audience. You can attach it or replace it in some way to the existing meetup for sure. Also, Brooklyn has only run one so far. So th they've only done the one meetup, and now they're doing another one. And so they're, they're being much more, uh, I think, experimental with format, which is cool. I, I like that. That's, that's really so good. And, yeah, yeah. But, well, but also, they're not like, you know, they haven't been running a meetup for a year where everybody who comes sort of expects a, a particular thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's really cool that they're able to do that. I also really like their Lightning Talk format. That's really smart. Um, have we figured out the optimal time length for these things to go for? I I think I like I think Max said three hours, or I I think I actually I got Max to yeah. say three hours at one point, <laughs> um, like because we were talking uh, about the optimal length for the the smaller ones, and it was like 
you you pretty much can't continue to do the exercises for more than like an hour and a half before you're just like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. I, I think most people stop after that. But you want as much socializing time as you do the actual workshopping time. Um, so that's why I think we've, we landed at three hours. But Yeah, can, and it depends because I want to do some that are for kids and for absolute beginners. Like audience is beginners. And I think those can go three, four, five hours. But for the kind of community events where you don't know who's going to come, um, it seems to be about 30 to 45 minutes for setup. And it's, a, it's all asynchronous. So somebody will come set up and they'll start right away. Some people will take 45 minutes to set up. They'll start late. But, you know, then you leave about an hour for diving into the workshop sort of mentors are working hard. Then you just say, okay, everybody's done. Some people will keep working. Some people will get up and drink or whatever. So, you know, about two and a half hours to three hours is what I've seen work pretty well. The, the ones that I've written, the, the workshops that I've written, um, I explicitly designed them so that they would be too long to do in a sitting. So uh, mm. an hour and a half was the, the length that I've had you know, sort of for both of the time slots that I've done. Even though the one in NodeConf EU, it was like we organized for like to have an hour and a half worth. And it was like, oh, these workshops are just going to be totally open and people can come and go for as long as they want. That wasn't the original plan. But so mm. hour and a half that you sit down and do as much as you can, and then you take it away and finish it later on. So yeah. um, I, th- I think at CampJS, I had one person f- actually finish um, Learn Your Node like that the day that we put it on, um, but mostly it was people just didn't finish and they got to take it home and do it. So that, that's how they designed anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you can and I think like... Yet. You want. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I want to. Uh, I think I do want to cover the last bullet point here, though, which is like, do do you focus on one workshop or do a bunch of them? And I think oh. that 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 decision has a lot to do with the audience and the size. I think that if you if you've only got twenty people, it's probably beneficial to just do one. Um, but when you go to like eighty people, and especially when you have a variety of different like user like user levels, like if you had eighty people that were all beginners, it would be too exhausting on all of the mentors, right? Where if you get eighty people and forty of them are beginners and forty of them are intermediate, and they came to do the the stream one or the you know level me up one, they can also help the people around them a lot easier to kind of get up and started. Um, but yeah, I think that if you were going to go after, you know, only all beginners, you, and they would all be doing like learn new node, then you would want to keep it down to like 20 people or something, something much smaller. Honestly, if you're an expert noter, you should be a mentor anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Um, and also I think if you focus on one of them, then you get to actually present stuff up the top, at the the front of the group, um, during the time as well. So, Mm, um, what I've done is actually, um, and this happened at stream adventure too, where, uh, Max and Substack, Substack would get up people to show their solutions. And that's brilliant because then people feel involved and they feel quite proud of what they've done. Um, and it it makes it more than just heads down at laptops. It's We can actually look up and focus on something that's going up the front there if we're interested. Otherwise, we can keep on doing what we're doing. So if you only do one workshop, then you can at least have some focus to something up the front um, that's happening ju- throughout the workshop time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So another company that has made this podcast possible is Andyet, and they're based in the Tri-Cities area of Washington State. Um, they, they're an awesome consultancy. I don't even know how to describe them because they're kind of transcending what it means to be a consultancy, in my opinion. Um, their goal is to be awesome. They uh, did this awesome blog post yesterday, I think, um, for Thanksgiving. 
because they were thankful to the community and they announced a bunch of new initiatives. And um, one of them, uh, which is very relevant to this uh, podcast, is that they're supporting Substack um, and his projects, including because they use Browserify a lot for their client side work. Um, they're supporting Substack with like a thousand dollars a month, just giving it to him because he's written. You know, anybody that has a Node app in production, I'm sure you'll find Substack modules in there. Um, so they're just an amazing company that helps float the all the boats in Node. Um, they have uh, Node APIs and JavaScript SDKs. They have some clients like AT and T. Um, they also have a product called Andbang, and it's real time chat for teams um, that can do web and IRC. And um, you can check out Andbang. It's in private beta. Um, there's also developer docs andbang.com. They have an API also, which um, has an SDK and interactive API docs. Um, they can do real-time socket I/O stuff or REST interfaces on their API. They um, also, if you're a client that wants something like that, they help their clients build that too. And they've also been—they're one of the leaders actually in WebRTC. They run Realtime Conf, which is for real-time, and I think the last Realtime Conf was a couple months ago. Um, and they are WebRTC experts. They have a project called Talky, T-A-L-K-Y dot I-O. Um, Talky dot I-O is basically Skype in the browser for lack of a better description, and it's open source. So it uses a library that they wrote called Simple WebRTC that makes it easier to use. Um, and it's used Talky on Twitter if you want to check that project out. Um, Henrik that works there wrote it so he could have his kid see his parents in Sweden from Washington. Um, so he dog foods it with his own kid and family. Um, and they also have a security project, uh, which is Adam Baldwin, who works there, um, leads that up, and it's called Lyft Security, and they do security for GitHub 37 Signals and the Node Security Project, which is a community project to audit every module on NPM. So definitely check out Handyet. Awesome. So uh, what's the future of Node School like, you guys? Um, what are you sort of most excited about or, or thinking about for uh, what's coming up? Um, so, so I, I want to see new contributors writing workshops um, and expanding the curriculum. And that is happening. I, I think there's, there's some workshops that we know are being developed by people. We're hearing some things. And I'm pretty sure there's some workshops that we haven't heard um, of that are being developed that will show up at some point. Um, so I think we're going to see a, a whole a flood of these workshops for, of, uh, on topics that you know, people are particularly passionate about that are filling in gaps. And so some in the works right now, there's, um, there's one called Expressworks that's out. You can use it. It's um, for the Express uh, client or node server framework that TJ wrote. Um, and Expressworks was written by a guy who really likes Express into his first workshop. And then he posted it up onto the Node School website and said, hey, can you put Expressworks on the Node School site? And we were like, well we realize it's the first one that's not necessarily like a fundamental concept. And LevelDB, the LevelDB is pretty specific to LevelDB, and so it's kind of like that one, was, but it's a little bit more generic because it's less opinionated than Express is. And we had this really interesting discussion on there about does Expressworks fit in, like where should we put it on the site? And we kind of realized maybe we need something like here's the basic concepts and here's all the other you know, kind of um, elective classes you can take. Um, and we came up with the idea of what about just a, if we rewrite all the curriculum to be server, and you could use any server framework you wanted. So you could just require HTTP and solve the challenges. You could require Express and solve the challenges. It could give you hints for both, doing both of those methods or using HappyJS, the framework from uh, Walmart Labs. So um, that's kind of a, an interesting one that came out that we ultimately do want to support any workshop that happens, but we want to also uh, uphold the integrity of what we're teaching because 
if we bring on frameworks, then we have to have all the mentors be knowledgeable and all the frameworks. But if we just stick to, to simple node concepts um, or, or things that are in core or things that are you know, non-polarizing, um, um, then we can have a more homogenous mentor group, I guess. Um, and then I'm working on one called Bitewiser for doing binary in JavaScript, and that one's halfway written. And Brian, um, Brian Loveswords, who's going to be on, he wants to do the other half for, he has a bunch for bitwise operations and bit shifting in JavaScript. And mine were like how to use array buffers, how to use buffers. Um, it's actually up on NPM. You could do the first five or so. Um, just B-Y-T-E, Wiser, W-I-S-E-R. Um, and then Adam Baldwin from List Security was talking about doing a security workshop for how to see if a module is secure, finding bugs in security. I think it'd be really cool to have like a pen testing one um, for trying to break into a server, finding a vulnerability. I'm pretty sure that one is actually in active development because I've had oh. uh, one pull request so far to fix some things in Workshopper for their one from, from those from the Anyet guys. So oh, cool. um, hopefully we'll see that soon. That, that'll be cool. Um, but awesome. he's not the only one that's talked about doing a security workshop. So, I, you know, there could be a race on here to, right, to nice. get the first security <laughs> workshop out. Cool. Um, there's Third Eden, uh, Arnut, he's also working on one for uh, WebSockets and his framework Primus. And um, that will probably go through a similar discussion about, like, you know, is it going to be called Primus or are we just going to call it real-time workshop or whatever um, to, to keep it um, non-biased. Um, and then th we've also been talking about, you know, all these are command line, but how do you do front end and how would you do like a CSS workshop or an HTML workshop where you can verify that people inserted event listeners onto DOM nodes or added DOM nodes to other DOM nodes or added style properties to certain DOM nodes or whatever. Um, you know, because part of the challenge is that you want these to be self-checking. Um, and so that way you have to have some sort of computational, um, you know, it'd be hard to, really hard to do things like Photoshop challenge where you have to Photoshop a cat's head onto a dog's body and like verify <laughs> that. Um, so, you know, you have to keep it in the realm of like, you know, being able to run it like a test suite, an automated test suite. Um, so when you get into the client side, we would have to basically rebuild everything. But one thing that Substack was doing, it was implementing the Unix shell in JavaScript. So if you go to unix.substack.net, you can see his alpha version of that. So that, that way we could actually maybe emulate the workshopper or run the workshopper framework using all the ANSI output in the browser, that would be pretty cool. Um, but it, There's you know, been some discussion about, about whether we, um, like, some people want to port the existing workshops to to the browser so that you can, like, learn Node in the browser. Um, I'm not the, the biggest fan of that because, like, if you're going to learn Node, then you sort of want to be doing Node where Node happens. So that, that's, that's true. Yeah, I, I think that, I think that's true. But I do want to I want to have a better way to teach web programming concepts, and, and and I want that to be you know starting with just HTML and CSS and, and then learning front end JavaScript, and then eventually moving into full stack. And so you do want to figure out a way to do some sort of integrated browser version of it as well. Mm. Um, another thing that I really want to see in the future, and I don't know how hard this would be to build, but um, basically be a way to simulate the in-real-life meetups, but online using WebRTC. So you could go through one of the workshops with a peer group, and we could help facilitate kind of an online learning network that's real-time and video chat-based, so you can kind of have peer learning happen. And there's a lot of concepts that have been explored by Craig Wilson, who runs Software Carpentry, which is, he works with Brian Loveswords at Mozilla Foundation on the Mozilla Open Science Project, which tries to teach um, open source and code as art, kind of, you know, engineering 
um, from the open source world to academics uh, writing papers and which have traditionally not had the best code um, or have published their code with their papers. And so he has found that when he does these workshops that it, there's a certain formula that works really well where people actually retain their knowledge that they, they learn. And part of it is being able to be challenged to answer questions and have a group where they can you know, ask their, their person next to them. And so when I told him about the idea of Node School where you could kind of do it in person or you could do it online, he's like, well, you kind of need both of those, but you need something in the middle too, where if you're at home and you want to be in a group of people going through it, you know, everybody log on at 11 and we'll run through this workshop, you know, or whatever, you know, figure out all the barriers for that. That could be really powerful because not everybody will be able to make it to one of these in-person events. What would be really cool is to be, if, if you run it in a group, is to have these workshop applications speak to each other or to a central location and then you could like run a, um, a leaderboard on the screen at the top so you could make it a bit competitive as well. That would be, that'd be awesome. Maybe not so friendly for like total beginners but you know, it'd, be, it'd be cool community experience to be able to see where other people are at in their exercises. Yeah, totally. Um, there's a guy named Aaron who is Humaviz on the internet, K-U-M-A-V-I-S and He's actually working on um, a multiplayer Minecraft uh, environment for learning how to code video games in the same workshopper style using Voxel.js, which is a project I worked on this year. And you can check out the alpha at voxel.kumavis.me, kumavis.me. Um, he really wants to make it so... One thing he added was you can click and put down an avatar or an NPC, and then you can click on it again, and it'll open up a code editor so you can script the NPC, and it's all multiplayer already using Node on the back end. And he wants to add WebRTC support, and he wants to add kind of like the same kind of workshopper, or even in World of Warcraft when you do a quest or whatever, you get steps that you have to solve one at a time um, to progress through the challenge. And he wants to port that into something that's more visual, kid-friendly, um, but still learning JavaScript and invented programming. Um, so I'm really excited about that project. I don't know how long the time frame is on that, though, but there's lots of different ways to get involved. I'd so really I'm, like to I'm see doing, some translations. Um, I'm doing, oh, translations for different languages, different... Um, yeah, yeah, there's language. a huge community. There's so many international communities that we don't get tapped into, and, like, when I travel around, I realize that they all have, like, their own message boards that are in another language where they all teach each other, um, and it'd be great to sort of try to pull them into to this format as well. So. Yeah. Cool. So I've got to do, um, uh, I'm, I'm doing another workshop at CampJS in, I think it'll be March or April next year in Melbourne. That's a, um, <laughs> a plug for CampJS in Australia. Um, I want to do one for um, like JavaScript beginners, so from the beginning. Um, and I've started work on this and the challenge is to do it in the same format but detach it from Node so that you're not doing, you know, particularly node things like module exports and require, that you're actually focusing on the concepts of, of j just JavaScript. So there's some extra work that needs to go into there for, you know, making it separate to this is a node thing. Um, so that's 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 an interesting experience, and hopefully that'll be ready by um, uh, by next by Camp JS next year, and perhaps um, JS Fist as well. I don't know if we we can work that in there as well. But, is that um, on your GitHub yet? No, it's not. I, I'm I'm sort of hacking away at it because I'm also at the same time I'm there's the workshopper is getting a new API for writing these exercises because um so workshopper was um initially extracted from Stream Adventure and then it's evolved somewhat from that. 
Um, it's still compatible mostly with the Stream Adventure exercises, so you could put you could pull the Stream Adventure exercises out and put them in and just use them with Workshopper. Um, but we're finding that the API is is well suited to streams, but a lot of the time the kinds of exercises you want to write, you have to end up munging them so that they do streamy things. Mm. Um, so there's some things that are a bit difficult, and so the and the API is just getting a bit too you know it's it's not very clean. It's it's kind of a mess just adding stuff. So yeah. I'm writing a new API at the same time as writing this this workshop. Um, but as soon as I get something that's you know. It, it, at least basic and working, then I'll, I'll put it up because I'm sure that you, Max, at least will have some some ideas in there as well. So, mm. But that's a hint for workshop uh, authors, if you're doing one, that there will be a new API for Workshopper. Um, and if you if you want to um, contribute to the discussion on that, it's on the Workshopper um, issues list. There's a big discussion about that. Um, but mostly it'll be just trying to make it work with the existing workshops, seeing what works best for them and... Um, if you've got a particular use case where you're finding it difficult, you, you need to contribute so that we can, we know what we need to cater for. Um, so if you're writing a workshop, there's also other tips, um, like what you've heard with the logistics of running them. Um, you want to make them offlineable, and that's not just um, the workshop, like the challenges, but also all the modules that you might want people to require. So when you're doing Stream Adventure, you might want to require a module for, say, like parsing a CSV or something. Um, if somebody gets halfway through the thing and they realize they need to do an NPM install and they're on an airplane, that won't work. So make sure you have all the recommended modules available um, somewhere easy for people to get to. Um, and then all the docs, you could also get like the um, node docs and put them in there for all the node core APIs. Um, look at Rod's learning node and um, level me up for an example of doing that right. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add on that, Rod, but... Uh, I, I wrote a module particularly for this. It was GFM to HTML. It just adds, it pulls a bolt bunch of modules I've already got together, um, and it will take a GitHub README, like a Markdown README, and it will render it so that it looks almost exactly the same as what you see on your GitHub Readmes on the GitHub page into a standalone HTML file. And then, hmm. so what I've been doing is just any any module that might that people might need documentation for. I just run this GFM to HTML over, stick the HTML in a, a, a predictable location, and then Workshopper actually gives you the ability to point people to exactly where that is on their computer. Um, so you can say, you know, if you need to look at more information about how this module works, go to this place with your web browser, this this file location, um, and they can you know read the documentation. And also for any any extra documentation you need as well, like. Uh, um, Learn your node has the whole node API docs in there. They probably they probably need updating for the, the recent releases of node, but um, the whole API docs are just put straight into that module so that when you install it on your computer, you have it there for offline use so you can um, you know look at how the net module works, HTTP module. So if you're doing something on a particular to- topic and that's the kind of topic where you're going online to look for do- documentation, you should include that in your module as well. Mm. And also, before you write a workshop, feel free to open an issue on pretty much any other repositories associated and just ask, hey, does this sound like a good workshop? You know, um, how do you, like, uh, if you're proposing, say, like a Socket IO workshop, uh, we might say, like, why not just do it about any evented thing or any real-time thing or, you know, like have service and events or Primus or et cetera in there. Um, so just to get feedback on the concept to get, um, suggestions. There might even be other people working on it that you don't know about. Um, so feel free to um, 
ask questions to anybody involved ahead of time. I, I think that we've got to maybe put in some work on um, moving past just the concepts, though, because it. it the problem is that this is too good of a way to learn these things. Um, so people are going to want to put them out for all kinds of different workshops and they're going to get more specialized. Like I think the best way to learn sort of any module or how to you know program with any sort of system is probably to build one of these. So I think we we got to start moving out of just concepts at some point. Like I think well, it's I think it's inevitable that, that we haven't done yet though. Right, right. But I mean that doesn't mean that we should, you know, push off the work that that people, because I mean, there are people that are excited to write an Express one or Restify one or whatever, like because they're excited about that module, and maybe they don't really understand like functional programming to the degree that they could write a concept one. And and we just need to we need to make sure that those are just live in a different place or like, you know, because we don't want the we don't want the Node School events to be we want those to be conceptual predominantly, um, because that like the mentors can all kind of familiarize themselves with that and and for the really specific ones like people will probably just run those as part of their meetups or everything right like it'd yeah. be great if if at a meetup rather than hearing a talk about express everybody sat down and did a workshop about express that'd be significantly more valuable even if people walked away and decided not to use express they'd know a lot more than they would have gotten in a talk right oh totally i just think yeah. even more value on top of that is something that teaches you other web frameworks and lets you weigh them you know like, why not just add other stuff? And maybe the guy that wrote the Express one didn't feel comfortable enough with other frameworks to write it, but that's what the community well, is for. I, well, but I th yeah, I think the answer to that is that pe people haven't written that because people are excited about their framework and they're not excited about all of the frameworks. People are either excited about no frameworks or one, not mm -hmm. all of them. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so Reynolds, Reynolds has taken this under. Um, he's, I think, he's going to work on a Serverworks one, and the and the Expressworks guy is probably going to contribute as well. I think. So Reynolds has been taking some of the um, the. He's been going doing an interesting thing of taking the. Um, the I think TJ had has some exercises somewhere about some basic how to how to use express under these different situations he's taken that and ported it to be how to do those things just using you know plain modules from npm um, to do those things without a big framework and i think he's now going and doing the same exercises for some of the different major frameworks um, so i think he might be doing happy next um, so uh, i think if if you want to see a generic server server works i think it's the tentative name um, mm. Then bug Reynos about that and and get that happening because that would be interesting to do alongside of an Expressworks one so that you could see, uh, you know, what Express offers above doing it without Express and you could make that decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that we should eventually we we kind of want to have both, right? Like we want to have like a here's an ex one about Express that takes you from the very beginning to like the most advanced stuff, and it's just a great way to learn that. But also, there's a concepts one that's just about web frameworks. Like we we should eventually we could have both. It'd be great. Cool. Anyway, anyway. Um, so what's what's the ultimate goal here, you guys? What are we trying to World do? World domination. Yeah, I just I want to change the way that people learn programming, and I I want to change it in such a way that um, we're not teaching programmers how to do programming. That we can actually use these to teach people that aren't programmers how to do programming. Because we're getting like these are getting really easy and really accessible. So it'd be great if um, we could start to to bring them into like schools and places where you know people haven't really learned programming yet and they can pick it up. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get the schools in Oakland that have um, computer people that I know to do these um, because 
I don't really want to do them at like tech meetups myself anymore. They've been successful, but I felt like um, they could be just as successful in audiences that have never programmed totally. Um, so no, I'm up for that challenge. I think that that's kind of the next big frontier is trying to break into the non-traditional, like non-startup part of towns. Yeah, and we won't know how well they work until we do a few, right? Like, yeah. I, I bet it won't work that great the first time. <laughs> but, you know, well, each time, preparation each time helps, it'll get know. better. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, also, there's, like, Cano, that company that makes those Raspberry Pi kits. Um, since we have a good relationship with them now, one of the guys there actually um, writes Node, and he was super excited about the concept of shipping uh, the workshop or a couple of the workshops on the Cano devices so that when you buy one of the Cano computers, you have the Node School workshops preloaded. Those kind of partnerships are super awesome. So if anybody has ideas on like you know places that are looking to offer more educational content, um, all this stuff is open source, and we'd be happy to help um, talk about what that would be like. Are we aware of any any similar initiatives across different um, like we you know where this is a bit of an echo chamber here about JavaScript and, and Node? Um, are we aware of any similar initiatives for teaching people in new ways? Um, in, in different languages? Is anyone else doing something like this? Do we know? Most of them are meat-based, you know? Like, you have to go to the event. Or, like, self... Or just read a read me. Or, like... Well, there's the bridges, right? Like, there's Rails Bridge, and I just learned there's Closure Bridge. And those are, like, in real life meetups focused on teaching and doing. But can you do it if you don't go? Do they have, like, a thing like Node School um, um, workshops? I mean, they do. I think they put all of their resources online, but I'm not sure. Like, it's. I mean, it's not like the workshoppers, of course. I don't, as far as I know, something exactly like running the workshoppers doesn't exist, but the concept of having real-life meetups that are focused on teaching and doing. Oh, there's tons. Oh, yeah. There's definitely tons of those. Um, there's also like Code School, which doesn't have a face or a meetup or a physical presence and it's all online and then there's like RailsBridge which is all in person but doesn't have like a code school thing. I see Node School as like in between um, or Code Academy is what I'm talking about. Um, it's kind of halfway in between the two, right? Hello? Cool. Okay. okay. I think that we're <laughs> I think we're cool. I think we're good. I think we're on to plugs now. What are, what are we plugging you guys? Oh, I would like to plug the American South I am here in Georgia. As I mentioned earlier, I ate some catfish. Um, yesterday, I ate gravy five times. Um, biscuits and gravy twice, 13 hours apart, and then three different types of gravy at Thanksgiving. This is the best part of America. That's all. <laughs> um, I, I, I also plug the American South. <laughs> But uh, let's see, I'll also plug github.com, the website. Um, we did get kind of, we got booted from doing the node school there because there was a conflict and that is a bummer, but it will not happen again. And I work at GitHub and I am very interested in being as active as I can in supporting the open source community. And so we have an entire first floor space to use. And so... I want to plug that availability and ping me if you have ideas and stuff. And I want to do more stuff myself. It's in San Francisco. It's in San Francisco, California, America. 
So that's that. Um, so I'm going to plug a something I've been playing with. Um, I, I wrote this thing called Docker Node Tester. So um, I it's for my I have a project called NAN, which is for native add-ons for Node, and I have to test it across all of these different versions of Node, even Node Master regularly to see what's breaking and what needs to be fixed. Um, so I've and Travis is, is a headache for that. So I decided to play with Docker. Uh, this thing to do the testing, and I pulled it out and made a separate project for it. So it's DNT in um, in npm, and it basically lets you write a config file that says what versions of Node you want to test, and you run this command, and it sends all your tests off to all these different Docker containers with all these different versions of Node, and it will compile and run your tests and see and report back what's breaking and what's working, and that has been so awesome for um, some of my modules which need testing across different versions of Node. So. That's a lot of fun. Um, the other thing I want to plug is I've got a new laptop. It's the Asus ZenBook Infinity, and I'm really happy with it. And I want to also do a big boo to MSI and tell you not to buy MSI laptops because my last one was a nightmare. So that's all I want to say about that. I have the new 11-inch MacBook Air, and it's uh, awesome. <laughs> the battery lasts uh, for Infinity, I think. I had the 13. It lasts for Infinity plus 5. <laughs> Yep. I also got a new iPad. So there. <laughs> I have five new gold iPhones. <laughs> I tape them together into an iPad. <laughs> but I can use all five fingers to log in at once. <laughs> and Steve Jobs is the background on all of them. Okay. Um, I'm going to plug JS Fest. So JS Fest is a new conference that I'm putting together, and I've recruited, I think, everybody that I know almost to, to run some sort of event at. So the the premise is that it's a JavaScript festival. So we're doing lots of little events all around San Francisco for like a week. Um, and we're trying out all kinds of new crazy awesome ideas. So we're doing like a farm JS, which is basically a workshop where we put JavaScript hardware in the dirt. Um, Aaron Hammer uh, is helping with that. We're bringing back CouchCamp. We're going to do a little unconference for CouchDB. We're going to do a live note up uh, one of the evenings, so that'll be really fun. Uh, DHTNLConf, which is like basically a conference that is a joke that is hilarious. Um, it's it's a conference as if we were having uh, an HTML conference in 1999. So there's you know like Dreamweaver 1.0 demos and and lots of you know demos that end with push to FTP. Um, and we're, we're, there's going to be an indie web camp, probably. Uh, we're doing node base camp, so that's going to be like an unconference for uh, node databases. Um, putting together a, a backstrap, which is like backbone and bootstrap talks. Uh, doing node copter, going to do like a WebRTC camp, uh, so an unconference for WebRTC. We're Ooh, trying we're to do, do like... Vendor lock-in, which will stay up all night and get locked in a software company, and will be forced to write peer-to-peer -peer web software. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, that one has to do with. I can think of a lot of sponsors for that one. There's, there's a lot of sponsors out there that can help. <laughs> well, that one already has a sponsor, I think. Um, we're we're really only doing one sponsor per event, or no sponsors. Like they, the events either get funded independently via their ticket sales, or just um, like one sponsor will kick in, like the venue or whatever. Uh, we're trying to do like a silent disco, which is awesome. I, mean, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that, but basically, like 
rather than playing out of speakers, the DJ plays into an FM transmitter, and then everybody has it on headphones. Um, there and we're oh improv jazz. This is one of my favorite ideas that I've ever come up with. So this is basically every participant has three minutes to add code to a project live, um, and you can only edit or delete as many lines as there have been contestants. So every time that there's a new contestant, you can you know remove more things, but you have to just keep adding to it basically. Um, and so, yeah, and you 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 just like you just mutate and alter this program over time and make it do hilarious things. And anybody there can kind of line up and participate. Um, so that's Improv JS. Um, and uh, there's also some main events that are just um, like narratives, like some of the conversations that I'm before that I'm curating. So one is about the evolution of like development experience, and another is about um, like techniques for scaling up and down. And these events are, are targeted more at beginners than some of the conferences that we usually talk about on NodeUp. Um, so if you're you know getting into Node or um, want to get more into Node, you can come to these. All of them are incredibly cheap. Every event's tickets are under $100. Many of them are only like ten dollars or twenty dollars. Um, How does that even be possible? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 called like not doing most of the things that you normally do at conferences, like paying caterers. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like we're we're trying to keep them very accessible, so accessible in cost and also accessible in content and capacity. Um, and of course, we're going to do some node schools uh, toward the end as well. So, yeah, so you can check it out at jazzfest.com, which is a domain name that Clock graciously donated to me. Thank you. And that's all I got for plugs. Also, coming up on the Node calendar, the Node Ender, is Node Summit. (laughs) I just made that up. That should be at .io.biz. Node Summit, December 3rd and 4th, right around the corner, really. Uh, Node Summit is the business Node conference thingy that all the companies that do Node that joint sponsors it. They come and talk about Node and stuff, and it's in San Francisco. And then there's Robots Comp on Amelia Island by Chris Williams of JavaScript fame, the daddy of JS conferences. Robots Comp is like, take all people doing robots, put them in one room on an island in Florida, and make crazy awesome things happen from any skill level, up from people that probably do like drone manufacturing all the way down to people that uh, mess around with Node copters on the weekend. Then when are we going to see fighting, fighting robots? Fighting robots? Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah, we should get some of those giant arms, the big like, mechanical arms that you could use quaternions to program and put samurai swords on them for sure. And write a note. And spinning saws and stuff. That can, yeah, that'd be cool. That would rule. Transformer JS. Then uh, JS Fest, March 2014. You just heard all about it. Woo-hoo! And then Camp JS uh, in Melbourne in March or April. And I went to the Camp JS two times ago and it was awesome it was um you all you meet all these amazing australian developers and people from the region um and whoever else shows up and you you basically it's all workshop formats and it's you're out in the beautiful australian wilderness um i don't know if the melbourne one's going to be more central but um it's no no it's going to be a remote again but and you know victorian wilderness is just beautiful oh that's awesome it's such a good event because you get to really focus on learning and meeting other people and not be distracted. So super cool. Then there's uh, JSConf America, uh, aka JSConf US, and May 28th through the 30th, uh, which I think is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and then there's, and I think that's on Amelia Island again. And then there's NodeConf uh, July 4th weekend at Walker Creek Ranch. 
the best venue in the Bay Area, uh, seventh grade summer camp, which JavaScript programs get to take over one weekend a year. And <laughs> yep. tickets go on sale in January, so keep your eyes peeled for that. They go on sale as soon as Jessica makes me a map. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Actually, it's a little bit after that because I have to make a website after that. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for watching with your ears and leave a review on, in iTunes on the podcast if you like it so that you can get other people to listen to this. Follow Note Up on Twitter. And sometimes we do live broadcasts and you can hang out in IRC. Um, this time, since we're all around the world on different time zones, we didn't do it live. Um, and it's Thanksgiving. Um, and then also you can sponsor NoteUp um, if you want to support the community and get uh, us to talk about you. Um, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.